Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Jesus said, so in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Well, that's the golden rule, Matthew 7, verse 12. I'm your host, Sandra Flack. Welcome to this 18th bonus episode in our series, What Every Adoptive and Foster Parent Needs to Know About Trauma and FASD with our special guest, Dr. Jared Brown. If you haven't listened to the first 17 episodes in the series, I encourage you to make your way through them. You'll be so glad you did. You can listen to them in any order. They don't, they're not like in, in, uh, in any special order, but there are 17 other episodes besides this one and every single one of them are packed with invaluable information that you really need to know because we're tackling topics of importance for all foster and adoptive and kinship caregivers. You'll also want to take notes. So grab a a notebook, a piece of paper, a pen, something to write with. Feel free to pause this podcast so you can get situated or just listen through now. And then when you realize you do want to take some notes. You can listen a second time. It's one of the things I love about podcasts. You can go through and listen a second time. If you really want to make sure you don't miss anything, take notes the second time through. Um, It's this is such good content. You will not want to miss a word. Regular episodes of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast drop on Mondays. Uh, This series with Dr. Brown, these are bonus episodes. So in addition to our regular Monday episodes, we put these out on Fridays. So you could kind of get two some weeks, two episodes from us. Uh, If you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, please uh, do that. We sincerely appreciate when our uh, listeners subscribe and even leave reviews. It really helps us to get this podcast out to more people who need to hear it. Um, that way, other adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers can find us. Um, so please be sure to do that. We've also got some vital resources and upcoming workshops for your parenting journey. So listen to this uh, announcement. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And you won't want to miss any of my online workshops 
two of which are coming up just this next week. I am offering a free 45-minute lunch and learn, which is an introduction into fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. We end up being on about an hour, actually. It's a a virtual. We do it through Zoom, um, 45 minutes of presentation, and then in 15 minutes, I allow for uh, questions. So um, if if you're wanting to learn more and you're kind of new to this whole FASD thing, um, that's a perfect place for you to start. Um, That is being offered. The free lunch and learn is offered is being offered on Wednesday, January 18th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm also doing a three hour deep dive into FASD. So it takes that, you know, kind of 101 kind of class and goes a little bit deeper. We spend three hours. I go into the facets uh, brain-based approach uh, during that three hours. So that one is being offered on Saturday, January 21st at 10 a.m. Eastern time. There is a registration fee for the three-hour deep dive, um, but you have to register for either one because that's how you get the Zoom link. So um, be sure to register. You would go to our website, justicefororphansny.org backslash events or click events at the top of the page, and you'll be able to register for either one of those. Um, We will include a link to our website in the show notes for this podcast. Now to our guest. Uh, Jared Brown, PhD, is an assistant professor for Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. Jared has also been employed with Pathways Counseling Center in St. Paul for the past 17 years. Pathways provides programs and services benefiting individuals impacted by mental illness and addictions. Jared is also the founder and CEO of the American Institute for the Advancement of Forensic Studies and the editor-in-chief of Forensic Scholars Today. Jared has completed four separate master's degree programs and holds graduate certificates in autism spectrum disorder, other health disabilities, and traumatic brain injuries. Jared is also an FASD trainer, an autism specialist, and a mental health integrative medicine provider. Please welcome back Dr. Jared Brown. All right, so welcome back, Jared. Thank you, my friend, for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're, well, our whole uh, listener base is excited to have you back. These episodes have been um, among our most popular, so we're grateful to have you. I know on our, our last episode, you explained alexithymia, um, something I hadn't really ever heard of before until I heard you talk about it on another podcast, um, you know, that, that has to do with uh, expressing emotions. Today, you're going to talk to us about theory of mind, um, which I don't think I ever heard that term so much before, but I understand that it has to do with understanding other people's thoughts and feelings and perspectives. So I'm sure you're going to take us to school on it, um, which I appreciate. Um, so how about we, we start there? Let's let's go with explain for us what theory of mind is. It's a very important component of just human interaction. And we need it for supervising employees. We, we need it for being able to play on the playground when we're kids and getting getting along with others, we need it in the classroom. It really relates to perspective taking. There's elements of empathy that are wrapped up into theory of mind. 
the theory of mind, if you go into the research literature, people will look at the term mentalization. They're oftentimes talked about interchangeably. A lot of the theory of mind literature comes out of the autism world, but there's literally been thousands of studies on theory of mind that have looked at all kinds of disorders at this point. And in terms of FASD, there's actually been a, a handful of articles that have investigated this topic within the context of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And sure enough, the research has found that people with FASD have theory of mind deficits. So it relates to internal mental state understanding. So when you talk about internal mental states, does that person understand beliefs or desires or opinions or emotions or motivations or intentions or misconceptions of other people and themselves too? It really relates not just to their understanding of other people and kind of the give and take relationship, perspective taking, but for themselves as well. And when there's a disconnect there, it can rub people the wrong way where it could in some cases look like the person is just checked out aloof all, only about themselves could come off as callous in some cases when in fact that might not be their intent this their brain is not working properly unfortunately there's a lot of constructs that fall under the umbrella of theory of mind or are closely related to it so interestingly, when we have more advanced theory of mind abilities, we're, we're typically in a better position to understand false belief understanding. And that's basically like deception detection. So people with low levels of theory of mind may be more gullible, more naive, more suggestible, and not pick up on stranger danger. So false belief understanding, deception detection, those are very important things to be aware of. It's also related to affect recognition and the causes of emotions. Remember last week we talked about alexithymia. Very important to understand this topic in relation to alexithymia, in my opinion. Second order thinking is something that is talked about in this literature. There's visual perception there's empathy, as I mentioned before. People with low levels of theory of mind may struggle with humor deficits and appreciating humor effectively. So I, I know we've talked about humor a few times throughout this series. People with low levels of theory of mind may use humor ineffectively, may laugh at things that aren't funny to other people, may say things that are that rub people the wrong way. So a lot of things to be aware of. This can also get in the way of the distinction between lies and jokes. So someone with theory of mind deficits may not get the difference between a lying behavior and joking. And it does have to do with moral reasoning and moral engagement as well. So my opinion, if you ever work with somebody that has a long history of lying, seems to have low levels of empathy seems to have very poor moral reasoning and ethical issues and gets in trouble all the time and just never seems bothered by it. Dig deeper. Maybe there's some theory of mind deficits at play. So when theory of mind is working properly, what does it do? What does it contribute to? It plays a critical role 
in appropriate classroom behavior. So if a child or a teenager just has really poor classroom behavior, again, there's a million things that can contribute to that, but one of them could be theory of mind deficits. Our ability to hold a conversation is linked to theory of mind, plays a critical role in interpersonal relationships. I suspect if one partner has advanced theory of mind and another partner has low, low levels of theory of mind, that relationship is going to have a lot of conflict, in my opinion. It's related to critical thinking, our ability to comprehend stories from storybooks, but also storytelling. Playing make-believe is a theory of mind skill. So kids that really struggle with playing make-believe, very, very important. It plays a critical role in reading comprehension, social competence, cooperation abilities, turn-taking abilities. The list goes on and on. So it's a really critical topic for us to be aware of. So I'll kick it back to you for a minute, Sandra, if any thoughts. Oh, my goodness. I'm having lots of thoughts here. Um, I mean, it made me think of um, one of my kiddos, you know, at Christmas time, um, you know, he wanted something for Christmas. And then, of course, I ordered it. And we don't really he's 17. So we don't we, we've never really done a whole we don't put a whole lot of focus on Santa Claus, but we don't bash Santa Claus either. But, you know, you want to keep this Christmas surprises a surprise. So he kept asking me, did you order it? Are you going to get it? Did you order it? And I kept saying, we'll see, you'll see, you'll see. Um, you know, and then he's like, well, you're lying to me. Why are you lying to me? Um, because I wasn't telling him exactly what was going to happen. You know, and, I, and I'm always filtering it through, you know, the FASD lens. Um, but, you know, or if I'll say, um, something like, you know, we're having company and they're coming at five o'clock. And if they don't come at five o'clock, he thinks I lied. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try to explain, I'm not in charge of the other person. They said they're coming at five. You know, maybe they show up at 5.15 or 5.30. But he, you know, he, he jumps right away to that I was lying. Um, and that things like that happen a lot. Is, is that an example of, you know, where there's a theory of mind deficit? Or could it be? Sure, could be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it also sounds like abstract reasoning deficits. Yes. It absolutely does. Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely abstract. So the, so the theory of mind and the abstract reasoning kind of coexist. Is that like a on both sides of it? That's where that could be? Not always, but a lot of times it's not just going to be one thing typically going on, especially when we're talking about FASD. It just We just can't say it's this is theory of mind deficits. Well, it's probably social skill deficits at play too. It's executive function deficits. There's probably some metacognition issues, abstract reasoning. They all work hand in hand. So the more we can understand the different components at play, we're going to be in a much better position to hopefully find like a therapist, a support team that can develop a goal plan and intervention plan and an academic plan that takes these things into account. Because if we're not taking these things into account again, the person is going to fall through the cracks. They're going to be mislabeled with something that they probably don't have. And as they get older, they're probably going to feel stupid and shame is going to kick in. 
and then they start acting out. You'll see more behavioral problems as they get older. Maybe they turn to drugs and alcohol, criminal behavior, all kinds of things. And I'm talking worst case scenarios, but these are the cases I consult on and I see these things all the time. So So then how does but, Oh, sorry. I was I was gonna no, go I was gonna go to my next question. I don't know if it's premature or not, but how does childhood trauma and or prenatal exposure to alcohol or other drugs impact theory of mind? Well, it it'll impact the brain. Obviously, the the parts of the brain that are responsible for this. For some of these individuals, then are they in a caregiver environment where they're raised? through dysfunctional parenting practices and these children don't have opportunities to learn self-regulation they're not modeled empathy maybe there's a lot of neglect where maybe there wasn't outward abuse physical sexual emotional but there was neglect and they were never held they didn't have cognitively stimulating things going on, which is so important for brain development, just learning and coloring and listening to music and interacting with other kids. Were there nutritional deficiencies at play too, where they were just not getting the proper nutrients? They're not sleeping well. Their hormones are off. All of these things can wreak havoc on the brain and body. And interestingly too, theory of mind, is not the same as executive function, but they develop at the same time. There's a lot of studies that have looked at theory of mind deficits and executive function issues together. And the authors pretty much in most of these studies stress that they're not the same thing, but they develop at the same time and they complement one another. So what I've seen is if one person has one issue going on, they usually have the other. So looking through an executive function lens is very important. Theory of mind development is impacted by language development too. So if the child has a language disorder that's never been diagnosed or treated, that can impact this. Peer relations have a lot to do with theory of mind. Just the very nature of a kid sitting at home with their parents and everyone's talking and laughing and storytelling and people have their phones away from the dinner table and they're looking at each other and they're just sharing stories. Those are all things to help develop theory of mind. Now you grow up in a home, everyone's glued to their cell phones. Everybody's checked out. Nobody interacts. There's no laughter going on. All of these things can have a negative impact on theory of mind development. And criticism has actually been linked to this too. So kids who are chronically criticized over and over again, early on in life may not be full-blown trauma, but they're criticized over and over and over again. That can have a negative impact on theory of mind. A faux pas is the most advanced form of theory of mind. So being aware of faux pas, sarcasm, understanding misunderstandings, white lies, bluffs, persuasions. These are all things talked about in the theory of mind literature as well. And there's something in the, this literature that's called self-referencing, which could be considered intrapersonal theory of mind. So self-referencing going inward. Other referencing is considered interpersonal theory of mind. So other referencing relates to how we interact with other people in groups. Self-referencing is how we 
think about ourselves and think about our own emotions, thoughts, feelings, intentions. And with that faux pas, this thing of that is a social blunder or a gaffe or like a socially embarrassing action or mistake. That's an advanced level of theory of mind. So being aware of that and when you're looking at this literature, lower levels of theory of mind have been found among people with autism. This is a core deficit of autism. So someone has an autism diagnosis. Everything I know about autism, they're going to 100% of the time have something not working properly with their theory of mind. Some studies have shown that people with ADHD may have some deficits in this area, conduct disorder, schizophrenia, traumatic brain injuries. It's been studied within the context of epilepsy. And interestingly, it's been studied within the context of eating disorders to just name a few. These are just a few of the disorders where it's been studied. Wow. I know one of the things I was thinking, Jared, when you were talking about, um, you know, when I asked about ch childhood trauma and or prenatal exposure, um, you know, so many of uh, our listeners are kids who came in through the child welfare system, foster care. Um, four of mine came through an international adoption. They were in an orphanage. So a lot of these things where, um, you know, there was, you know, not good care, um, you know, there was neglect, they weren't held, there was nutrition, you know, lack of nutrition, probably sleeping problems, uh, you know, a lot of fear and trauma and all those things kind of all rolled up into one, um, you know, and, and of course, if, if they've been prenatally exposed to alcohol, if we know that, and then there's problems with executive function, this, you know, theory of mind definitely comes into play, wouldn't you say? It's something parents should be aware of and, and looking at. Yes, it it depends on the person, but I think it comes into play all the time. At least what I know, the cases I consult on. And it, it theory of mind, just think of it as perspective taking. It plays a role in emotional understanding. It plays a role in moral judgment, decision making, and reasoning. So if you're raising a child or an adult, that has reasoning deficits, decision-making problems. They struggle with emotional understanding. They have a tendency to lie, cheat, steal, manipulate, moral reasoning, ethical issues. The list goes on. I mean, if they have an autism diagnosis, they probably will have theory of mind deficits. If, if they've had extensive childhood trauma or prenatal trauma, they probably have something going on. I mean, it's probably a spectrum, some more than others. So just, yes, I, I think we see it all the time. Yeah. Is there a way that it can be diagnosed? There's lots of screening tools out there for this. There's not a, not a lot of training in this topic. I don't know why, again, because there's been workbooks written on this. There's been books. There's countless journal articles. So if, if you're working with someone that really struggles with failing to understand implicit social norms like unwritten rules or they have a tendency to not respect people's personal space or boundaries or they're really a close talker they ask strangers really personal questions or they have just very strange bathroom or elevator behaviors and they interrupt constantly you know it's not going to hurt to look through this lens and if they really struggle with subtle social cues too and lots of social skill deficits or they have 
a whole host of interpersonal competence deficits, which can relate to social competence and emotional intelligence and friendship making abilities and conflict resolution. And they struggle with intimacy and they struggle getting along with people at school or on the playground or at a job. Absolutely, without a doubt. I, to me, feels like there's some level of theory of mind deficits going on. And if the person is just highly gullible and always being taken advantage of in person or online, and they just can't pick up the fact that people are making fun of them rather than the person thinking they're being nice to them, these are some theory of mind deficits. And it's also been linked to psychosocial immaturity. So we know we hear like developmental immaturity you don't function at your chronological age. These are things you want to take into account. One thing, Sandra, I forgot to mention before. This this is this is interesting. In this literature, there's something called nice theory of mind behaviors. So it's pro-social, positive, comforting behaviors, considering other people's feelings, cooperation. This that's good. In this literature, there's also something called nasty theory of mind behaviors where maybe somebody has very advanced theory of mind but they use it for the bad lie cheat steal think of cult leaders think of some politicians think of just people that know how to pull the strings of other people and get them to give all their money away to some cause that turns out to be a huge lie so some people can be highly advanced in this area, but use it for the bad as well. So something to think about. Yeah. So does this, this it's make me think of, um, of course, when you, you, you share and I start thinking about what's going on at home <laughs> that, that, uh, that we're living through on a, on a daily basis. And, you know, my, my boys have, we're both, you know, experienced childhood trauma and both prenatally exposed and have diagnoses of fetal alcohol syndrome. So all of that comes into play. But, you know, my, my youngest one who is 17, a lot of these things that you were just saying about those social skill deficits, the dismaturity, highly gullible, not really understanding those social cues. So like, you know, he doesn't seem to realize that, you know, because I'll say, you know, you need to wash your hands or um, deodorant is a big thing, like just doesn't care. Like, seems to not be able to connect the fact that, you know, you don't want to go to school or you don't want to go to church or out in public without wearing deodorant because you could smell and then, you know, other people won't appreciate that. And he's like, I don't care. Like, he doesn't seem to really understand why he should care about that. Um, is that a way that theory of mind could be affected? Is that like an indicator or could it be? It could. Here, here's Here's something to think about in relation to that. So, Perspective-taking deficits can oftentimes make that person come off as looking like they're selfish or callous or bored or disinterested, and it can absolutely lead to breakdowns in relationships, and again, they may struggle working in a team environment, and they can, this can absolutely get in the way of peer relationship problems. And just it can look like they don't have a lot of empathy or care for other people, even if someone comes to them and says, hey, this is bothering me. Could you stop or would you please do this different? And they may really struggle with processing that and making sense of it. And 
realizing that that person may have a point. So not understanding another person's point of view is a breakdown in perspective taking and perspective taking is a component of theory of mind and empathy is a component of theory of mind. Well, I have a, a funny story. It's, it's I had to laugh because if not, you know, you cry. <laughs> you don't laugh sometimes. But um, <laughs> this and anybody who follows me on social media may be aware of this because just yesterday um, had my boys at the dentist, um, pediatric dentist. Um, and she's, you know, this dentist is um, she's good. Um, but my boys like, like maybe she doesn't have the greatest bedside manner because you know she's wanting she's every time they go for their and they go every six months because they have dental challenges but you know it's always you know did you floss do you brush you know this you know do you drink soda do you drink juice it's kind of like there's this list and of course you know it's like you know my, my 17 year old son doesn't have really good fine motor skills so he like flossing is hard so he just doesn't and I'm okay with that and I supervise brushing. So his brushing is always great and he never has cavities. Um, and he's had braces and everything. It does a great job. My 19 year old, poor enamel. Um, he's got a lot of a lot of um, musculoskeletal issues, which is probably a comorbidity from the FASD, but, or linked to the FASD, but um, always has problems. And he's a big soda drinker. Um, you know, falls asleep and forgets to brush his teeth. He's 19, so mom's not, you know, chasing him down for that all the time. Anyway, long story short, such such anxiety going to the dentist that, you know, my the 17-year-old one had because, you know, he's all worked up. But I'm, and when I ask him why, he's like, well, my brother's going to get in trouble. And I'm like, that doesn't have anything to do with you. You're going to be fine. You've never had a cavity. It'll be great. And, it, you know, he's like, but I don't floss and she's going to yell at me. Well, she, she's not going to yell at you, but this is what dentists do. They ask you, you know, do you floss? Do you brush? Do you drink soda? It's a dentist thing, right? Because that's what the dentist asks. So he gets in there and it's an open area between the waiting room and the in the in the exam room and he throws himself under the bus with this dentist first of all by saying i don't floss <laughs> he didn't even wait for her to ask and she was like why not and he said mom and i said well he has a hard time with fine motor things and so he doesn't floss but i supervise brushing and he does great and he didn't have he'd had a great checkup and he didn't have any cavities but um, because this is what the dentist always asks, and he doesn't like being asked it, he actually said to her, this is why I don't like coming here, because you are a crabby cake. And <laughs> <laughs> Very literal, literal, straight to the point. <laughs> and I just, I mean, oh, no. I sat there and like, I was trying to contain myself, but it was actually, it struck a funny bone, right? My funny bone, and I could not contain the laughter. And it, I was the only person in the waiting room, probably a good thing, because I just, I just... I just laughed hysterically because it was so funny. But at the same time, afterwards, I'm having a conversation with him about, he's like, why does she keep asking me that? She's like, she hates me. No, that's what every dentist will ask you. You're not in trouble. It's her job. She cares about your teeth. She's asking you if you brush, if you floss, and if you drink soda, because those things affect your teeth. 
But he just, you know, he just sees it as he's in trouble because she asks those things and he doesn't want to go there and he doesn't like her. So I don't know if that could in any way, you know, be a picture of, you know, the, the a theory of mind deficit or not. Um, I got a lot of laughter out of it and a lot of social media likes about it, but um, just clueless as to why does she keep asking me that, you know, she's just doing it to be mean. That could absolutely be a concrete example. Yes. Oh. Absolutely. Well, I'm grateful to be able to so provide just going it. up and saying, just going up to someone and just saying something very literal, like not catching those um, subtle norms and asking people about their age or their weight. I mean, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. To to someone they don't really know. Yeah, yeah, we get I mean, that a lot. Those are just little subtle things. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, this, those could absolutely. This same kid is famous for asking people how old they are. You know, and we, I tried to train him. You, you're not allowed to ask a woman how old she is. Women don't like that. Um, and one day we were at the pediatrician. You know, probably just two years ago, and he, a male, a male doctor. He's, you know, my son said, "How old are you?" Um, and and I said, you're not allowed to ask that. And my son said, you told me I can't ask ladies. So very concrete. The, he took that very yeah. literal. Yeah. So and the pediatrician, our pediatrician was great. And he said, oh, he's right. So I'm 67. That's what the, that's what the doctor said to him because he, he, he was able to like roll with it. But things like that all the time. We see it all. Yeah. Once you see these examples, I mean, yes, I believe these are theory of mind driven but also driven by probably other factors, executive function and all the things we've talked about and, and stuff. So Jared, what can parents and caregivers do to help our kids learn to you know, tune into or consider others' feelings or consider perspectives? Like, is there a way um, that they can learn these things? And if so, how would we go about trying to improve this? conversations just sitting down and talking and teaching what appropriate eye contact is modeling the behaviors getting off the screen all the things we've talked about so many times getting better sleep but in the research literature per pertaining to theory of mind it really stresses the importance of promoting cognitive development so brain development anything you can do to promote brain development nutrition, exercise, engaging in creative arts, being around positive people, learning, volunteering, those kind of things. Talks about promoting social skills and emotional development. So maybe joining a social skills club or group. Focusing on language development has also been talked about. So if you're noticing your child struggling with using language, understanding language, processing language? Do they struggle with knowing how to start a conversation or how to talk to a stream, how to talk to an adult different than a child? And go to a, a speech language communication pathologist, rule out any language issues. Pretend play has been talked about as one means of promoting theory of mind, but this is where it gets tricky because there's no research on this for FASD. We know people that FASD confabulate. So if you're asking people at FASD to start engaging in pretend play, that fantasy development stuff kicks in, they might start creating false memories. That's where it gets tricky. 
So I don't have an answer on that. There's no research to guide it, but I do know confabulation is very common. So we want to be aware of that. There's a lot of workbooks out there too. I am aware of a couple. I think there, there's a picture stories book you can look at. You can do role playing activities. That's helpful. Something called think alouds or using tuning in language. There's a guidebook for parents called Talkability that you can look at. There's a DVD program. I, I don't. I think it's kind of older, but it, it's called Transporters. If you Google that, you can find some stuff. There's a mind reading software program, and just promoting creative dramatics, art, music. And then thought bubble training or using cartoons with thought bubbles and helping the person kind of more predict what's going to happen next. Those are things that come up. Anything we can do to promote social emotional learning. So promote self-awareness, self-management of behaviors, teaching people how to respect boundaries of others, relationship building, promoting decision making. I think these are things we can do too. Promoting moral development early on in childhood can promote theory of mind. Working with an art-based intervention person, the very nature of just reading to your child growing up has been linked to developing this. Animals, being around animals can be very helpful in promoting this as well. There's all kinds of assessments out there. There's too many to go through, but there's the reading, the minds and the eyes task strange stories task there's a faux pas task there's a silent films task i mean there's so many out there so people that google theory of mind assessments and screening tools those are some things you'd want to be aware of as well and i think too with the humor we spoke about teaching appropriate humor what that truly means modeling that getting them around other people that are like-minded getting educated about this stuff this is complicated stuff no doubt about it but it's worth learning and it's really helped me better understand human behavior and communication and connection yeah it's so eye-opening and i've been learning so much from every one of our episodes together really and and it's just always a, a new um you know aha moment every time we have one of these conversations um before we wrap up anything else that you want to share with us about theory of mind well, we didn't talk much about this, but there's I do a lot of work in the area of suggestibility. And we know people with FASD are highly suggestible. And there are studies that point to the fact that people with theory of mind deficits are more suggestible. So during an interview, during an intervention, we got to be very careful with how we word things. We want to be aware of forced choice questions like yes or no, true and false leading questions, these kind of things, because if someone's dealing with suggestibility in conjunction with theory of mind deficits, that could be a recipe for disaster if they enter the criminal justice system, wrongful arrest, wrongful conviction. In the mental health arena, it could be a factor contributing to a misdiagnosis where they get diagnosed with something they don't have because they're over-endorsing symptoms. Within an educational arena, it could relate to a development of an ineffective IEP plan. Within a psychiatric setting, maybe someone's prescribed medications for something they don't have or 
maybe they need medications for something they do don't have. So suggestibility is a huge topic as well. Such great things to keep in mind. Um, theory of mind, another aspect of this journey. Um, so important for us to understand. So Dr. Brown, thank you so much for continuing to educate us on these things that we need to know as parents and, and caregivers. I'm looking forward to our next episode. I know you're going to break down um, attachment for us. And I know that that's a huge plays a huge role when it comes to our our kids who've been adopted, who've come through foster care, who have a trauma, prenatal exposure. Um, such a attachment I always find is such a vital topic for us to understand. So I'm really looking forward to uh, you sharing with us about that um, next time. So thank you so much again, Dr. Jared Brown, for, for being with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me back. Really appreciate it. Wow. Thank you for joining us today. Um, just incredible information that we are learning from Dr. Jared Brown. Um, be sure to make sure that you check out all of our other episodes that we have done with him, these bonus episodes really designed for us parents and caregivers um, of kiddos with trauma and even prenatal exposure. So you're not going to want to miss any of those and you're not going to want to miss the next one about attachment. So make sure that you are uh, tuning in for that. Remember, our regular episodes drop on Mondays and the bonus episodes on Fridays. Uh, if you enjoy the show, again, please be sure to subscribe and let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know so that they can listen and be encouraged and equipped too. Don't forget our resources that we have on our website, um, along with our upcoming uh, workshops. I have a free lunch and learn workshop about FASD. It's an introduction. Again, that is on Wednesday, January 18th at 1 p.m. Eastern. And our uh, three-hour deep dive into FASD, where I'll be using the FACETS Neural Behavioral Model in that presentation. They are both um, online. Uh, and the, uh, the deep dive workshop is going to be on Saturday, January 21st um, at 1 p.m. Eastern. Or, I'm sorry, 10, 10 a.m. Eastern. It's 10 to 1 Eastern. My apologies. Um, and you have to register for either one of them uh, so that you can get the Zoom link and you would go to justicefororphansny.org. Um, if you cannot get in on those two workshops, I will be monthly offering a lunch and learn. Um, and then I'll be adding additional deep dive trainings um, for anyone interested in those. Um, also, I always like to give a shout out to our business sponsors who help us at JFO do what we do. Uh, so a big thank you to Tri Nuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, National Bank of Cooksaki, and Cullman Insurance Agency. Also, be sure to find and follow Justice for Orphans on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and you can also follow myself, Sandra Flack, on both of those platforms as well. And Again, I am just so grateful that you spent your valuable time with us today. I'm thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.